My obsession with music really started when I heard AM radio in the mid-70s. Family car rides became time for me to disappear into music I was hearing coming out of the radio. I asked my parents incessant questions about who was singing each song, what the song was about, and why these three minutes of pop music were making me feel so emotional. At some point, my mother decided to take me to the local Lord's department store in downtown Medfield, Massachusetts, where we were living at the time in 1974. A small section of the store stocked 45 singles that were popular on the Billboard charts. Slowly, I began to put together the link between what I was hearing on the radio and the vinyl versions that I could buy and take home to listen to whenever I wanted. Once I had my own copies of the songs, it was on. From that point, whatever allowance I had was spent on 45s as well as a few albums here and there. But it was hearing Heaven on the Seventh Floor by Paul Nicholas on WABC AM in the late fall of 1977 that was part of my introduction to reggae and what could be considered one of the contenders for the Cod Reggae Crown. I liked that song so much that I spent the $8.99 for the album. And right there, on side one, right behind the radio hit, was Reggae Like It Used To Be. It stayed with me ever since I heard it for that very first time. Hi, I'm Mark Wasserman. Welcome to I Don't Like Reggae, I Love It, a special audio series of the Skaboom podcast that focuses on the historical origins and impact of reggae on popular music that will explore the phenomena and cultural implications of cod reggae. As reggae became part of the musical landscape in the 70s, more established white pop and rock artists began to experiment with it. Soon, direct musical influences like dub effects, reggae-style guitar and keyboard rhythms, and missing drum beats and sidestick also began to find their way into popular mainstream music. As more non-reggae artists began to appropriate the sound of reggae and white audiences responded, this new regatta de blanc, as the police called their second album, received a less than flattering name, Cod Reggae. It's a harsh but efficient way of describing reggae music reconfigured for a mass audience. But before we get started, you may be asking, what is Cod Reggae? The meaning of the word Cod is thought to have originated in the 19th century and is almost exclusively a British term. Cod, in the sense of joke, hoax, leg pull, appears in the early 20th century and features in James Joyce's portrait of the artist as a young man, quote, some fellows had drawn it there for a cod. Cod also functions as an adjective. Bernard Scher's slanguage quotes a politician on Irish TV news saying, that's a cod argument. Everyone knew what they were voting for. So by definition, cod reggae means faux, joke, or nonsense reggae. Paul Nicholas 
is a notable British actor and singer, and based on his pedigree, not someone you would consider to be the potential king of nonsense reggae. After embarking on a career in pop music in 1960, he ended up taking a very successful turn into musical theater, beginning with the lead role in the London stage production of Hair, produced by Robert Stigwood, who would later found RSO Records and be an important supporter of his pop music career. Nicholas would later win the title role in the original London production of Jesus Christ Superstar. He also was cast as Cousin Kenny, Tommy's sadistic biker punk cousin in the Who's 1975 rock opera film, Tommy. fun being blind, deaf, and dumb, but I've no one to play with today. Do you know how to play hide-and-seek? To find me, it would take you a week. But tied to that chair, you won't go anywhere. There's a lot I can do to a freak. How would you feel if I turned on the bath? Don't Yep, that's Paul Nicholas. No slouch in the singing and acting department by any means. But in 1976, he decided to use his notoriety to embark on a short-lived but high-profile pop music career. Here's what Nicholas had to say about how he ended up pursuing a career as a pop singer in an interview he did with the Hero Cult blog in 2015. Quote, Being in groups since I was 16... The one thing you want to have is a hit record, and I never had a hit record, and then I got into hair and that career. But when I got a bit further down the road in my late 20s, I thought I'd like to have a hit record. And with Robert Stigwood's support, Nicholas met with Dominic Bugatti and Frank Musker, who were the stock Aiken and Waterman of their time. They pitched him a few songs, including Reggae Like It Used to Be. Nicholas decided to record the song, saying in the same 2015 interview, quote, So I went out and I looked for some songs and I eventually met these guys who played all these songs and they said they had this song reggae like it used to be. And I said, well, let's hear it. And I said, I thought that it sounded like a hit, a bubblegum sort of light song. And we stuck my voice on their backing track, put a couple of strings on it, some vocal backing. I found a very good plugger who did plugging at the BBC because you need to get it played. And we had a hit. Here's reggae like it used to be. Mm-hmm. 
By the way, I love the line in the first verse, quote, so if it's good enough for Stevie, good enough for Paul, I think it's good enough for me, which I gather is either a declaration of unity or an acknowledgement of mutual mediocrity with Stevie Wonder, who had released Boogie on Reggae Woman in 1974, and Paul McCartney, who had released a number of Cod Reggae tracks with the Beatles and Wings. Now, I know this is an audio medium, but I'm going to suggest you pause the podcast for a moment and find the video for Nicholas performing the song on top of the pops on YouTube. Go ahead. I'll wait. Welcome back. That's some real cultural dissonance, right? Nicholas dressed like an extra from Clockwork Orange, doing a jaunty soft shoe with cane, white flare pants, and a bowler hat on his head. Uh, 1976. But in the pop music game, the final verdict resides with the listeners and the British public, who have shown they can never resist a tasty piece of cod reggae, rewarded Nicholas with a hit. The song reached number 17 on the charts and opened the door to other UK pop hits. And that album, with Heaven on the Seventh Floor, that I got all those years ago. I find reggae like it used to be a guilty pleasure and a reminder of a more innocent time. It was an easy entry for my 12-year-old ears into loving reggae music. However, in retrospect, some music critics have called 1976 the worst year for British pop music and highlighted reggae like it used to be as an example. Alex Petridis, writing in The Guardian in 2011, said, quote, If you haven't seen it, it's difficult to express how awful Top of the Pops and, by extension, pop music seems to have been in 1976. Every week, Something comes on that causes you to be gripped by the absolute certainty that an unequivocal nadir has been reached and that things can only get better. Second division glam rockers mud going disco in a desperate attempt to stave off the inevitable and my personal favorite, Paul Nicholas's awe-inspiring reggae like it used to be. Just to provide some important cultural context, during 1976 and in contrast to Nicholas making his case for reggae like it used to be, the following iconic albums were all released. Lee Scratch Perry's Super Ape, The Mighty Diamonds' Right Time, Augustus Pablo's King Tubby Meets Rockers Uptown, and Max Romeo's War in a Babylon. Oh, yeah. Who are in a Babylon? 
just on the horizon, only months away was a new trend, which would become known as punk rock. This wasn't evident on the charts in the closing days of 1976, but would become more significant the following year, as the Ramones, The Clash, Elvis Costello, The Stranglers, and The Sex Pistols would all release their debut albums. And just three years later, in 1979, two-tone and British reggae bands like Steel Pulse, Aswad, Linton Kwesi Johnson, and UB40 would make many forget all about reggae like it used to be. During this series, I'll be taking a deep dive into well-known and obscure cod reggae tracks, including Dreadlock Holiday by 10CC, Redondo Beach by Patti Smith, Bella Lugosi's Dead by Bauhaus, and more. If you've listened and received some value from this episode, then please help support the podcast for as little as $3 per month on Patreon. Supporters get access to exclusive content, like special episodes of this series, and advanced promo chapters from my forthcoming book, Ska Boom, An American Ska and Reggae Oral History, which will be available from DeWolf Publishing later this summer. Just go to patreon.com, Ska Boom Podcast, for more information. Thanks for listening and take care.